Projects and teams can involve frequent and sometimes painful change. So how does a leader lead through change by example? That's this week on the Badass Agile Podcast. Greetings, team. Welcome to the Badass Agile Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Williams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for all the wonderful response around the world. There's so many cool things happening in the Netherlands and Switzerland and places I would never have expected. You guys are showing up in a big way to support the show and digging in, listening to the episodes. I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. Now, this week's episode is part instruction, but also part response to a listener question about the important topic of leading teams through big changes. But first, let's remember why we're here. To create an elite tribe of leaders who truly serve their clients and communities by doing what matters and what works, relentlessly chasing value and excellence like a badass. There are so many resources about what you need to do to be agile, but we're focused on who you need to become in order to lead teams. So let's hammer down those fundamentals to create a unique and powerful force in this industry. Now, if this helps you, tell your friends. Don't forget you can check out my daily agile inspirations for leaders as well by subscribing to my email list. You'll get a preview of next week's post and a free video to help you align your week with strength and focus delivered right to your inbox. You can also submit your coaching or leadership questions all at badassagile.com. So go sign up, post your questions today. After a hundred plus episodes, a few interviews here and there, and a ton of unscripted recordings, I hope you're all beginning to get the fundamentals of leadership and the fundamental underpinnings of agile. You know, get visionary, get focused, get gritty, get humble. Know your service, who you serve, how you serve them, and why. Break big things into small things. Drown the fear and immerse yourself in the fear. Leap, fail forward fast. All the stuff we've been talking about over and over hasn't fundamentally changed since day one. So at this point, if you've been listening, you have everything you need to get started evolving your leadership game. In today's episode, is a reminder that change is a natural part of existence. Everything is slowly and continuously evolving, always. It's kind of like a slowly changing dimension in data warehousing. You might not see it happening, but if you don't manage the change, if you don't acknowledge the change, your outlook on things will be all wrong. Now, I'm not the first to say that change is both inevitable and terrifying for many. I've often said that change is the one thing we must get good at. One of my earliest episodes was, your job is change, and that's still true. But when it comes to the how, using the tools that I describe in the badass way are the best way to deal with the constant onslaught of change and the repercussions that emerge from change, which are fear, uncertainty, and self-doubt, among others. So to put this in context, I'm going to summarize an email from one of my biggest fans in New Zealand. I'm going to change some parts of this to keep things anonymous and confidential from a client perspective, but I'll tell you, our brother's name is Greg, and he's an awesome supporter of the podcast and the Badass Agile cause. So let's dig into what he wrote me. I'm a scrum master. I'm currently working in a company. 
where the current project is facing some challenges. The scope of the project is complex, and although there had been some small wins historically, even before my time, there were some issues. And we just found out that the company wants to change direction and bring in another team to take over the project. So this means several people will be moved off the project to other areas of the organization, and some people, especially contractors, will not be re-engaged. So obviously this sucks for all of us, but I'm most concerned about my team. I know this will affect their morale, and that they'll feel hurt. My initial thoughts are to have a team check-in and discuss how they feel, how we can support each other, and as a leader, I'm torn between supporting the team and knowing that there's still a job to do. So as a leader, what's the best way to deal with this? All right, well, first of all, it's a great question, Greg, so thank you for sending it in. And thanks for trusting me with the question and the answer. But first of all, here's where I want you guys to take away a couple of very important things. Number one, my congratulations and compliments to you, Greg, for looking after the team first. You're quite right. It's worthwhile doing the team check-in, and there's a couple of different ways you can do it. So you could offer one-on-one coaching, which not everybody will take. Or you can force one-on-one coaching to happen by pulling individuals into separate meetings and saying, hey, do you need anything? You know, need any support? How are you feeling? But this might make some people feel cornered or uncomfortable. You could do a team debrief, on the other hand, almost like an open space, and just let the topics and themes emerge naturally based on whatever people are feeling in the room. Or you could just take people out for a fun social event or activity and see what comes up. But however you choose to do it, you're definitely doing all the right things. However, if you know anything about me, it's less about the techniques that you use and the prescriptive steps that I might assign that you would then go and follow. Because listen, I don't have all the answers. Every situation's different. And I never will have all the answers. And I don't need to. And neither do you. What I focus on is delivering the right mindsets and creating the right habits from which your best answer will naturally flow. So whatever answer I might give or whatever answer you might give might turn out to not be the best answer, but by coming up with something and putting it into action right now, you're going to find out and of course you'll adapt and then you'll improve. So rather than focusing on a specific tactic, this is where I want you to go back to the body of work that I've created for you guys over the past couple of years, because all the answers that you seek are in the things that we discuss week in and week out. And at this point, we should be focusing on applying those fundamentals in practice. So let me give you a specific example. The first thing you should be focusing on right here is your service. See, one of the reasons that understanding your service is so critically important is exactly for times like these. Here's why. If you're attached to one particular job role, job title, or even a specific job, company, or project, and especially if you attach your identity to that project or role, then the minute something changes, you have a major problem. See, we become comfortable with routines, relationships, ways of working, even the familiar commute or some of the perks of that specific environment. You know, maybe you got some flexible hours that you really enjoy or a great work from home policy, or maybe the leadership just trusts you and you feel a lot of freedom in the job. Well, see, the minute that changes, we worry that whatever comes next, we're not going to be good enough to meet the challenge, that we won't survive, that we can't compete 
in a new or changed environment. So we're living in fear of what this means and what comes next. But if, on the other hand, your primary concern is your service, whether it's service to the team, to the client in the abstract, to the community, or to the world, it's much easier to realize that leaving one particular job does not threaten the overall vision and service. You just keep on keeping on. You pick up and continue doing what you were doing at your next client. So again, review my work on vision and service, know it backwards and forwards, and stick to the fundamentals. Leaning on your sense of service here is critically important. And if you've not established it for yourself or for your team at this point, it might be too late on this project to inject that kind of emotional and mental certainty into the team room, but at least you'll know for next time how important it is to focus on service, service, service. Now, the next thing that you're going to need to teach your team is how to get cozy with failure. So the first thing that happens when people lose a contract, lose a gig, lose a customer, or get booted off a project for one reason or another is that they associate the change with failure. we got to remember that even the best major league professional baseball players, they still strike out two-thirds of the time. You see, we have to be able to look at projects where we get handed our butts as the very best kind of learning experience. The secret to growing from it is to look for the silver lining, on which I've done a completely separate episode, so look for that. And ask yourself, because this happened, now I can, or now I am, or now I have. So despite all the bad stuff that we're feeling and thinking, What is the absolute positive slash upside about what we're going through together? See, a silver lining statement like that also imbues a sense of gratitude for everything in your life, both positive and negative. So in addition to asking your teams how they feel, I would ask them what they're now grateful for. What's good about what came before? What was good about the experience that we gained? And what's good about the current situation and the change that we find ourselves living in? Now, this ties into the ever-present retrospective. There's no way you can listen to even a little bit of my stuff and not know that I'm seriously into inspecting and adapting. Continuous improvement, at the daily level at least. So this is a perfect time to look back and try to examine why things didn't work. It might be a great lesson for us in terms of What kinds of projects actually fit an Agile approach and which ones are more challenging? It might be a reminder on what kinds of executive support we need to work harder to forge in the early stages of a project. It might point out challenges within the team in terms of our rituals, our culture, our performance, and our standards. You know, oftentimes I work on teams where we know the badass way, we understand it intellectually but we didn't force ourselves to live them every single day. Now, this is not only true for your current situation, Greg, but any opportunity in which change is painful for people, staying true to your service and vision, expressing gratitude for what you experience, both good and bad, reflecting on what could be done differently, and embracing the failure as a learning experience are the very practices that you should be embodying deeply each and every day. See, remember, we sweat in practice so we don't bleed in combat. 
If you haven't been practicing these badass skills, truly embracing the mindsets and habits all along the way, they're not going to be much help to you in times of crisis, which is exactly where you are now. You can't just flip through a bunch of pages and start applying this stuff. Deep embodiment matters. Practice matters. So perhaps the most important lesson you can take away from this is that you should be studying and practicing the fundamental mindset and habit pairs of leadership all the time going forward. So keep going back to the episodes that inspire you and resonate with you. Learn how to practice visionary work, focused work, grit, resilience, introspection, and adaptation, and revisit practices of gratitude in your mindsets and habits around failure and experimentation. Practice these so that next time you'll know exactly what to do. But for now, the most important thing for you is to act like a leader. So that means you don't engage in the poor me conversations. You don't succumb to the negativity and the endless fear loops about what went wrong. And most importantly, don't let those stories that you and others tell yourselves translate into unproductive behaviors like blaming, escaping, denial, or anger. Now, if handling change is a gap for you personally as a leader or for individuals on your team, not only should you be practicing these skills, but you need to get good at listening to what your fear loops tell you about your beliefs about change and your ability to weather them. So take a moment right now to reflect. When you think about this change that's happening to you today, what comes up for you? What are the routines that you're running in your head? Maybe voices or conversations you can hear yourself telling yourself. Is your true fear that you won't be financially stable because of this change? Or is your fear of being judged and criticized in the eyes of your peers or the leadership? Is your fear that you're not a capable leader because this one project didn't go over well? Look, in my humble experience, when people get depressed, angry, or anxious about any situation, they haven't yet learned to identify those negative mindsets and reactions, those fear loops that are constantly playing in your head. And if you can't hear them clearly and identify them, there's no amount of tools for managing them that are going to be particularly effective. There's no single book you can read to make things better. So yes, check in with your team, be there for them, listen to them, be empathetic. But your best bet is to go back to the material. Find the episodes that you think are most applicable to your current situation and learn from the mindset and habit recommendations that you'll find in there. And make a note to continue to develop your practice daily and weekly so that in the future, when change like this lands in your next project, you are fully prepared. So to Greg and to all of you out there doing the job day in and day out, congratulations on becoming each and every day an emerging leader of honor and quality. I respect you and commend you for putting your teams first, for taking the time to care about the people who make the machine run smoothly each and every day. And I really appreciate the question. And I know this will be useful and impactful to many of you out there living through the same things in your environments today. Folks, thank you for listening. You can reach out at badassagile.com or find me on Twitter at badass underscore agile. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay badass.